Father, you are so good to us. Thank you for the way that you've been here so far. And God, we just pray that this morning you would be in charge, that you would speak, and that we would listen. Lord, please open up our hearts. Please translate the message. You know what we need for today. And I pray that you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have ever been caught sleepwalking? Anyone? All right, couple in the back. How many of you have ever seen someone else sleepwalking? Okay, a lot more hands going up. I know I've heard of stories of parents having to put locks on the tops of their doors so that their kids didn't get out at night, but my sister had a roommate in college who probably had the most extreme version of sleepwalking I've ever seen. It was crazy. We'd get calls, guess what she did last night, and the stories would just come out. So one night they wake up, they hear bustling around in their room, they're looking everywhere, what's going on? It's the middle of the night. They wake up, and this girl's getting dressed for her day middle of the night. Amanda, Amanda, are, are you awake? Totally asleep, just getting dressed for the day. But it got worse. One night they woke up, they didn't find her anywhere. So they looked in the bathroom, they were looking around the dorm room, couldn't find her. So they started looking in the halls. And down the hall, they saw the light was on in the kitchen and they went in. Sure enough, she was there, fully asleep, but cooking top ramen over the stove. Isn't that crazy? One other night they couldn't find her and This time they checked the kitchen, they checked the bathroom, they checked the room, she wasn't there. She was outside, and if you've ever been to PUC, you know how it's a pretty wooded area, out there just walking in the woods, middle of the night, asleep. You know, as I look back on my Christian experience over, especially my early years of life, I think I can parallel my story to sleepwalking, and here's why. I was blessed to grow up in a really awesome Christian home. My family's here today, and I'm so glad for that. Um, as you can see, there's a lot of them, and that's how it was all through my life. Very supportive of everything I did. Grew up in a very stable, loving family. Um, heard other kids sharing stories about their home life, and just I was so blessed that I had such a loving, Christian, awesome family. Um, my parents were super faithful to take us to church every single week, and my mom was a Sabbath school teacher. When your mom's a Sabbath school teacher, you learn your memory verse, and you know the story for the week, and just grew up very active. It was in a small little church, and so from the time I was young, they were asking me to play the piano once a month or read the children's, read the mission story or do something like that, help in Sabbath school, and so I had the privilege to do that and had good experiences growing up. When I was in fifth grade, my parents started to talk about the idea of sending us to the Adventist school. Previously, we'd lived far away, and we were in public school, and I remember my sister and I just being devastated that we were going to have to go to this Adventist school, a Christian school, and we would cry and cry every time they mentioned it, and we did not want to go. Reason was, we only knew one kid there at the time. We thought he was so weird, and we thought, if we go to that school, we're going to be weird too. And so we would cry, and... My parents sent us there, and I don't think we were there probably one week, and we came home and said, oh, we wish we would have been there since kindergarten. It was such a different environment there. The teachers were so spiritual. Everything was awesome. So going all the way through school at the academy, I was so blessed with really good teachers. Um, When I got into high school, life got very busy because I was involved in everything, and I enjoyed music. I played volleyball. I joined Wilderness Survival. Even though I didn't like to hike, I thought hiking was horribly hard and hot and sweaty, but I loved the people who were in the class and the teacher, and so joined Wilderness Survival and would spend all my money on buying backpacking equipment and water filters and hiking boots, and my family thought I was crazy, but enjoyed that a lot. 
Um, I was involved in anything, anything that came up at school. I was excited to go there early. I was excited to come home late at night. I was in student leadership and yearbook and whatever was offered, I pretty much did it. I remember nights where my parents would bring us dinner late to school because maybe me and a teacher would be there working on yearbook till eight or nine o'clock at night and my parents would bring us food to eat. But as I grew up, um, I was in church every week, and I was going to Sabbath school and in a Christian school, and I think all of those things laid a really awesome foundation. Sometimes parents, maybe it's hard to make those commitments or make a sacrifice to put your kid in Christian school, but it's so worth it. So thankful for the foundation that my parents laid. And up to this point, I would say I loved God. I got baptized when I was in seventh grade. Um, I before I ate and before I went to bed. But I never really like read the Bible for myself. Or I didn't know you should actually like spend time with God every day by yourself. Or I didn't have a real personal relationship with God, but I don't know. I was a pretty good kid. I had problems that all kids have. Sister and I would fight. We'd pull each other's hair. I had problems with friends at school. But other than that, life was pretty good. One day when I was in high school, uh, my parents said that we were going to be going to church that weekend for area-wide convocation. And at that convocation, a speaker was going to be coming in who was from out of town, and he was going to be preaching all weekend. And so I remember going, and up to this point, you know, when the sermon came around for church, I remember drawing and stuff a lot on the bulletin because you're just kind of waiting for it to get done. And this particular weekend, we got there. We sat through the Friday night service, and again, he was going to speak on Sabbath, and again on Sabbath afternoon. And a teacher of mine was there who I'd really made friends with at school, She was older, her husband had passed away, and I just thought she was the sweetest, nicest person. And every morning before school, I would go to her office, and I would give her a hug, and talk, and then I'd rush to class, and she'd go to her class. Well, she was there this weekend, and um, I asked my parents, is it okay if I sit with her? And so they said yes, and I sat with her. And as this guy shared, he was preaching on the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've read his books. His name's Dennis Smith. He has a bunch of books, Baptism of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit and Evangelism, And honestly, I don't remember a lot from that particular weekend. I remember sitting there with Miss Jordan. I remember, you know, hearing he was talking about the Holy Spirit. But what began to happen is a revival started happening among the church members. And people were hungry for more. At the end of the weekend, people were saying, we need something more. We need more of this. We should do, like, small groups. Or we should meet together. He's been talking about praying for the Holy Spirit. We should do something like that. And so the pastor set aside 40 days that was going to be focused on specifically praying for the Holy Spirit. And they had something every night at the church. People were coming to pray together, to study in small groups, to sing. Um, They were teaching basically how to have small group Bible studies. And the teacher that I'd been sitting with, she was really interested. She wanted to go. And so I told her that I would go with her. And I could drive by this time. I was 16, so I would drive myself, and her and I, we'd go, not every night, but a lot of nights to these meetings. And I don't remember a lot from it. I remember, you know, we'd get together, we'd sing a little bit, they'd pray a little bit, we'd study a little bit. But the one thing I took away, I read the book, I'd been going to the 40 days, the one thing I took away was that you need to start praying every day for the Holy Spirit in your life. I thought, oh, okay, I can do that. It was kind of a new concept. I wasn't opposed to it or anything before. I just hadn't really heard of that or hadn't really sunk in. I probably had heard it times before, but hadn't sunk in. And so because of going day after day after day and hearing this, I started doing it. I just started praying, dear God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit today. 
I'd be driving in the car to school, dear God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I didn't realize what I was praying. Probably if I would have been spending time with God and reading the Bible more for myself, I would have realized what kind of power comes when the Holy Spirit comes. But I didn't know. And so I would just pray it in the morning, whenever I remember in the afternoon, dear God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. And God started to do little things, little things, little things. Just about a week after, I started one of these small groups like we'd been having at the church at our school. And there was a group of kids that would come together every Friday night with these two teachers who were really special to me and really supportive. And we would study together and we'd pray, Dear God, please fill us with the Holy Spirit. Still, I had no real personal relationship with God, but I was enjoying the Bible study on Friday nights. God was growing it little by little. Well, one night at Bible study, my youth pastor, he said, Hey, Leah, do you want to miss school tomorrow? And what teenager would respond, no? <laughs> so I said, I would love to miss school tomorrow. Let me just ask if it's okay. I called my mom. Can I miss school tomorrow? He said, she said, yes. And I went with him and his wife up to Fresno. And he said, we want you to come along because we're going to a meeting to plan a youth prayer conference for our, for our whole conference. I said, okay. I'd gone the year before and... I don't know, I guess I enjoyed it okay. I didn't get a lot out of it. I remember there was this boy there that liked me, and I didn't like him, and I was just trying to stay away from him. And I didn't get a whole lot out of the prayer conference. I'd left early to go home and take my SAT or something. And Anyway, so he said, come along. I want you to come with us. It's going to be all adults, but you'll be fine. Just tell us your opinion on things. You know, we're going to be planning the weekend, and just tell us what you think, and just come with us. It'll be fun. So I got to miss school and go up there, and it was awkward because here is this table full of all these adults, and they're planning this weekend, and I'm just this kid, and I'm really shy, and I don't really know what to say, and they were very nice, and they were so convinced that there were three things, that if we could just teach our kids these three things, they could have a personal walk with God, and that was how to pray, how to study and spend time with God in the Bible, and how to serve, and so the whole weekend was going to be based around that, and they were how are we going to do these prayer times and how are we going to uh, facilitate small group Bible studies for these kids and how can we think of as many community outreaches as possible and so I was there and they would ask my opinion every once in a while and I would share well by the end of the meeting I had committed to do one thing they had asked me you know how you started that little small group at school with your friends on Friday night and you know you guys read and pray and sing do you think you could teach other kids your age how to do that I thought, well, I don't know. I've never done anything like that. But I had this handout that I'd got from the small group at the church. And I thought, well, I could just go through that. And I guess he said, it's no problem. It's kids your age. It's only 20 minutes. You just can give like a little seminar. Kids will be rotating through seminars and everyone else will be adults. But you can can do yours. And so I agreed. I said yes. And he said, by the way, you're going to have to repeat it six times because you're going to have rotating groups come through. And okay, I got it. So I prepared my little thing. Well, that's all I was supposed to do until two weeks before the prayer conference. We got a call one day that the youth pastor who was in charge of all the programming, the prayer ministries leader was kind of in charge of the prayer conference, but my youth pastor was in charge of the the programming. You're up next for music. Now we're going to do this for the outreach. We got a call that he had been in a motorcycle accident and had broken his back. And when we went to see him, he was in bad shape. He was laying flat on his back. He had a turtle shell cast. He couldn't move. And it was going to be a long recovery for him. And so one day, I don't remember if it was the first time I saw him after the accident or not, he said, Lee, I really need you to do me a favor. 
And I said, what's that? He said, I need you to go and do my job at the prayer conference. And I said, uh, I don't think so. And he said, it's no problem. He said, I have this stack of papers. It has the program, everything we decided on at that meeting. You'll be fine. Here, just take this and no problem. College kids will be there. You just have to tell them what to do. And I said, but I'm only 16. I can't tell them. You'll be fine. They'll all listen to you. You just give them the papers and... Okay, so I got up there and weekend came and I gathered my friends and as soon as I got there, I saw again the lady who was in charge um, of the prayer ministries for the conference and she was in charge of the prayer conference. And as soon as we got there, she pulled my friends and I aside and she's like, I'm so glad that you guys are here. Could we pray? And so I said, oh, sure. So we bowed our heads and we prayed and then I got my list out and I said, okay, guys, we have so much to do. We only have a few hours to set this place up. So it looks like first we need to go set up the chairs in this room for a seminar. And so we all head that way. And before we can set up the chair, she said, could we just pray that God will show us how to best set up those chairs? Okay, so dear God, please show us how to best set up the chairs. And this kept happening. I'd go to the next thing on our list. Okay, guys, it looks like now we need to go get the community service bags ready. So we'd go and get them ready. Let's just pray. Let's pray that God will bless these bags, that as they go out to the community, and this happened over and over and over. Finally, we're to the last thing on our list, and it was to set up the registration area. And so we got it all set up. We were ready for the kids to start coming in. 150, 200 kids were supposed to be coming around from the different schools in, around the conference. And um, as we got it all set up, she said, now let's just pray. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will just fill this place, that as people come in, they'll be so impacted. And I thought, wow, I think I've prayed more today than I have in a really long time. And, you know, up to this point, I prayed for my food. I prayed for my grandma who was sick. I prayed for these kind of things. But it just seemed like every area we were praying for. Well, this happened all weekend. And I think it was because I was the stressed out 16-year-old who felt so insecure to be leading out. But I had all this responsibility. And so I was probably frazzled. But this lady, she had, she had invited two other friends of hers, and these older ladies would just sit in the back of every meeting and just pray. They would be there, take part in the meeting, but just quietly they were just praying. And every time after the meeting was over, we would go back to the back room and organize our stuff for the next you know, session. And they would say, did you see what happened? We were praying for that kid. He didn't look interested at all. And did you see when they made a call? He went forward and they'd be so excited. Then the kids would go off to small groups and they'd say, oh, let's get together. They'd pray the whole time that the kids were in the groups. God, let the Bible speak to them and let the stories be so powerful. And I thought, wow, this is kind of cool. And because I was stressed out, they were constantly, Leah, come here, let's pray for you. Oh, Lord, give Leah strength and give her energy. And they kept affirming me and I was thinking, wow, this is awesome. So Sabbath afternoon came and this was the time for me to give my little seminar the problem was, because Thursday night and Friday and Sabbath had been so busy, I forgot that I was supposed to do it. And so it's like Sabbath afternoon, I'm checking the schedule, <gasps> it's the seminars next, oh no! And so I run back and I try to find my sheet and I'm just feeling so tired and stressed. And those little prayer partners, they said, come back here, we want to pray for you. And I was the only one. And so they set me in the middle and I just remember as they prayed, they opened their Bible and I noticed they had so many verses like highlighted and they'd know right where they'd want to go. They'd just flip to one and God, I claim this promise. And I was so inspired. I thought, wow, this is really cool. And I remember being so tired that afternoon. And as they prayed, I remember one of them turned to Isaiah 40, 
think it was probably Joyce Mulligan, and she was praying with such fervent ardor. She said, Lord, you said in your word that you'll give strength to the weary. You'll increase the power of the weak. Do it for Leah. Give her energy. And I remember getting up from that prayer time, and I thought, I have so much energy. I just felt so good. And I went and I did my little seminar six times in a row. And when you say something six times in a row, over and over and over, you forget what you said. Did I say that in the last one? Or was it this one? Or was it two times ago? But I made it through. And at the end of the weekend, one of those ladies, she exchanged email addresses with me and she said, let's keep in touch. And so I said, okay. And so when we got home, I emailed her a few times. She emailed me. And it was so awesome because she was always asking me, how could I pray for you? So I would write back stuff like, we could pray for my test at school. You could pray for, you know, my friend who's going through a hard time, pray for my family, whatever. And she would always pray for me. I, I taught her how to text message. And so this was 10 years ago before texting. So she would text me and it would take her so long to text, but she would text, I'm praying for your test today or whatever. Well, about two weeks after the prayer conference, as she was praying for me, she said, please pray for me this weekend. Me and my husband, were going to San Francisco. We're going to do this prayer seminar weekend. And if you could really pray for us, pray that God will show us what to share and that it'll be powerful, that God will be able to work and just, you know, he'll be with our speaking. And so I thought, okay, I can do that. And so that weekend I kept praying, dear God, please be with them as they speak today and please help them and bless their sermons. And after the weekend was over, I think... I only thought of it because the Holy Spirit put it in my mind, but I just had this thought, check online and see if those sermons are available to hear. And I thought, oh, I've never really thought about that before, but okay, I'll check. And I did some looking. It was way before I had an iPhone or even my own computer. So I was like in my parents' room on the computer looking, and I found that the sermons had been posted online. I was like, oh, this is so cool. And so I listened to them. And I think there were about three messages, maybe Friday night and two on Sabbath. And as her and her husband shared, it was just so awesome because it was all these personal stories of answered prayer, about how God had worked in their life, about how they would open up the Bible and God would speak. And it was, it was awesome. And I was thinking like, I, I guess I've been missing out on something because I'd been going to church. I was active as a pretty good kid, but the things they were sharing just seemed like it was so real and so personal and so powerful. And so because of hearing those sermons and hearing them again and again, I actually listened to them so many times, it just gave me this consuming passion. I want to know God. Because one of the things that she was sharing in one of those sermons was John 17, verse 3. And if you have your Bible, I invite you to open it up this morning. John 17 and verse 3, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples right before almost he's about to leave. And in John 17, he says something that I think is so transformational. I know it was for me. When I, when I finally grasped what John 17, 3 was saying, it was like a pivotal understanding for me in my experience with God. It says, now this is eternal life. And then it's going to tell us what it is. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And I think growing up, sometimes, I've heard many of your testimonies, many of your stories as we've, you know, got to get around to a lot of your houses to visit. We still have a lot more to visit, so if we haven't seen you yet, we're still coming. But so many of us, I think, maybe grew up with this idea that if we do the right thing, then we'll be saved. Then we'll be able to go to heaven if, if we just stay away from the bad things and we do the good things. And that's all part of it. John 
15 later goes on to say that if you love me, you'll keep my commandment. So it's definitely there. But I remember reading this verse for the first time and thinking, no, what eternal life is all about is actually knowing Jesus. What eternal life really boils down to isn't not doing bad things. It's about having a personal relationship with Jesus. And it just created this desire in my heart. I just this week pulled out one of my old journals because during this time hearing those talks and meeting those prayer partners and stuff, it inspired me to start journaling. And I just pulled one of them out. It's from 2004. And I started reading through and just every entry I put in there, every prayer I was writing out to God was just so much a cry for God, I want to know you. I really want to know you. I, I want the Bible to make sense. I want to pray. And it actually, something happened. And I just want to know you. And it was so amazing because I don't know how God does this, but looking back now, I think it was really the answer to that simple prayer, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because as I read through those journals again this week, in a matter of maybe six months at most, I had started praying together with a prayer partner and seeing awesome answers to prayer. Um, One of them is... It was so amazing. So as I started to get a little bit closer to God, I started to try to spend time with Jesus. I, I was starting to try to wake up in the morning and read my Bible. And I was just coming to this experience of knowing Jesus is what it's all about. And it just was consuming my life. And so as I would write my English papers that were due every week on Friday, apparently it was coming out. I, I didn't know. I didn't specifically try to write spiritual stuff, but I would have to write these response papers to English articles we would read and literature and stuff that I wasn't that interested in, but we'd have to write. And as I would write, I would make these different connections to the things I'd been learning, and the teacher was so upset. And I would get my paper back, and it would have all this red writing, and it was really hard on me because I was a really good student. I was really focused in school, and I wanted all A's, and he would write these mean things. I remember one time he wrote, you need to stop using such long sentences. You sound like Ellen White's writings. And I thought, this is horrible. And so I had a friend who also was at school, and I said, we have to pray for our teacher, because I'd heard all these stories from these sermons of how God can work and answer to prayer. And so I said, let's pray. And I got my prayer partner, too. I said, pray for this teacher. He's so mean. Every time I get my paper back, he has all this writing, and how he's so upset, and I need to stay on the topic and not get off of English. And do you know, at the end of that school year, we saw that teacher totally turned around. It was so incredible. It didn't happen overnight, but a series of things started happening in his life. He lost his grandma, which was really hard for him. He and his wife were attending this small group that pushed them to go to some seminar that eventually changed their life. By the end of the school year, it was so amazing. He was hosting these spiritual weekends at school, inviting adults, but also inviting me. He said, I know that you would get so much out of this. You have to come and experience it with us. And I was thinking, God is so awesome. So in a matter of like six months, I'd started praying. I saw God working. I was enjoying listening to sermons. I don't know what other kid just loves to listen to sermons, but I'd gone to camp meeting for the first time and heard David Asterix speak. And I remember getting his CDs and putting them in my car and listening to those CDs over and over and over again. I'd started spending time with God and I didn't really know how to do it. And I didn't really wake up and spend like an hour or anything like that. Sometimes it was 10 minutes before I had to go to school. But for the first time, I was opening the Bible for myself. Not just for the Bible class, pulling the Bible out of the locker and putting it back, but opening it in the morning and just saying, God, please talk to me. You said, I heard in those sermons, that this is your word and you can speak to us just what we need for today. God, just please talk to me something. 
And I didn't understand it all. I remember reading the Old Testament and thinking, oh my goodness, I don't understand anything. I'm not getting anything out of it. But as I would read, especially in the Psalms, there was so much powerful stuff there. And for the first time, I was finding all these verses and these promises and highlighting them in my Bible. And I could keep thinking of those prayer partners at the prayer conference, how they had everything marked and they would just go to promises. And God started to show me so much stuff. And then I decided, I'm going to make these scripture cards for a friend of mine with these different verses and promises I've been finding. And maybe because I was a perfectionist and wanted them to look good, I would end up rewriting them over and over and over because I'd misspell something or the handwriting looked bad, so I'd toss it. But as I wrote those scripture cards over and over and over, do you know what that does for your mind? puts it in there. And it was so awesome. I'd be sitting at school and doing my classes, but I was just thinking about all these verses. And I would write my scripture cards. I'd even put them under the desk sometimes. So if I was in a boring class, I could just write the scripture cards rather than the teacher wouldn't see. And it was so awesome. I started to experience God in such a real way. And I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you've been attending church your whole life. Maybe it's your first week here. Um, maybe you've had an experience with God for a long time, but there is nothing like experiencing him for yourself. There's nothing like having that alive, real experience where you open your Bible in the morning, you say, God, I'm so discouraged today because it was not all perfect for me. Trust me, there were days where I was so discouraged. I thought, what's the matter? It's like I don't hear God. I feel so separated. I keep messing up. I keep doing this bad stuff. God, help me. But you open your Bible and it's like just the verse you need for the day right there. I thought, how does God do that? I'd been driving one day. My sister and her friends, they wanted to go to ice cream. I remember I was driving them to ice cream, and I got pulled over. And I was terrified because I was 16. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm so scared. The police came, and he said, you were driving 50. And I thought, what's so bad about 50? In a 35 like, oh, okay, okay. So I was praying, oh God, please don't give me a ticket. Please don't give me a ticket. He goes back to his car. He comes back with a ticket. And I don't know if it's like this in this county, but if you're under 18 in Bakersfield, you had to go to court with your parents for your traffic ticket. And I remember just being so scared. My dad was going to go with me and I thought, oh no, this is so embarrassing. This is so humiliating. I can't go. I can't do it. And the day kept getting closer and closer. And I was so worried that I was going to have to pay. And I thought, I don't have money to pay for a ticket. Well, that morning, I'd just been spending time with God a little bit, you know, here and there. I'd been growing a little more. I'd been seeing answers to prayer. I'd been reading my Bible. And God had been giving me all these opportunities, too, to share. I don't know who started asking me, but the Bible teacher was giving me opportunities, and the youth pastor at church, and my prayer partner, come to camp meeting, help me, and I want you to share this or that. God was doing all this cool stuff. Well, that particular morning, I woke up and I said, God, you know I'm so scared. You know that I have to go today before the court. You know that I have to say that I'm guilty and I don't have money to pay. And that morning, I was reading in Proverbs, and I don't know if you've done this before, but Proverbs has 31 chapters, and there's often 30 or 31 days in a year, and so you can read through the book of Proverbs in a month. And I'd heard that a friend read through it every single month, and he always seemed so wise, and so I thought, well... I guess I should do that too. And so I had been reading, and this particular day was January 28, and so I opened up to Proverbs. I went to Proverbs 28. And as I started to read, it was just a bunch of good advice and good Proverbs until I got to verse 14, and it just caught my attention. And I don't know if it's because of the prayer. I just prayed, dear God, please, please help me. You know how scared I am, and I'm going to have to go before a judge and all this. But verse 14 said, if you confess, you will find mercy. 
And that's probably talking about when we come to God, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. He'll forgive us. But that day I said, if I confess, I'll find mercy. And I just held on to that promise all morning long. Every time I think about court, if I confess, I'll find mercy. If I confess, I'll find mercy. And you know, God probably looks down and laughs at us as we're growing in our faith, little baby steps. But I hung on to that promise all morning. And time came, met my dad there. We went to the court. And everyone before me, they had been driving much faster than I was, but every single one was getting a fine, 200, 400, 300, person after person after person. And you're waiting for your turn, and I was just so scared. And you get up there, and all you have to respond is one thing, guilty or not guilty. So I come up, he reads my name, he reads your sentence, you've, you know, been, or your, whatever you did wrong. You were driving 50 like it was a horrible crime, (laughs) in a 35, (laughs) guilty or not guilty. And right then, I remember standing there, it just flashed in my mind, if you confess, you'll find mercy. And maybe it was because I was so new at this, but I was just holding on to that. I said, God, you said this morning, so I just said, guilty. And I kid you not, the guy looked down at his paper, and he looked back up, and he said, how about three hours of community service? I thought, how does God do that. How is God so personal, so real? I left so excited. I wasn't going to have to pay. God was so good. But things like that just continued to happen. And the more time I'd spend with God, the more amazing things he'd start to do in my life. And it wasn't always easy. I remember as I started to spend time and I was still asking every day, dear Jesus, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. You know, we had a sermon a couple weeks ago that focused on John 16, 8, that when the Holy Spirit comes, he convicts of sin and of righteousness, and of judgment. And as I was spending more and more time with God, he was bringing things to my mind that I needed to get rid of. And I thought, well, it's not really that bad. I mean, it doesn't have any bad words, or it's not, no, it's a distraction. Get rid of it. And God just kept laying things on my heart. Okay, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. Okay, I'll get rid of it. And then I thought, okay, everything must be good. And I'd be spending more time with God, and God would start laying on my heart, you need to go ask that person's forgiveness. I can't ask that person's forgiveness. I remember twice it was a teacher that God was just giving me no peace. You need to ask their forgiveness. I thought, I can't do that. Who goes before their teacher and asks forgiveness for something? I can't, I can't, I can't. And I remember being in class and I had no peace and I was just anxious. I couldn't even focus. Do it, do it, do it. And I remember going before that teacher and apologizing, asking his forgiveness, and peace just washing through me. It continued to happen. God led me to go to people in my family, friends at school I had treated wrong, apologize, ask for their forgiveness. And every time it was so hard. But every time God would just give me such a peace. And I would have such peace, even if I would think about something bad I had done in the past, God would remind me, but you ask their forgiveness. You ask my forgiveness. Everything's good. God started pushing me out of my comfort zone. I did not want to do stuff. I remember this one time, this friend of mine said, please pray for us. I'm coordinating this spiritual retreat. This was maybe a year or so later. And we really need a speaker. Pray that we'll get a good person. So I said, okay. I was a senior in high school at the time. So I prayed and prayed, dear God, please bring them a good speaker. And I wrote it in my journal. And next time I talk to her, please pray. It's getting closer. We have a week left and no speaker. Okay, I'll pray, I'll pray. Dear God, please... Well, about the third time, she said, we're getting desperate. Please pray and find someone. Everyone I ask isn't able to come. God just started laying it on my heart. You should go and speak. 
And I thought, I can't do that. I think I was 17 at the time. I thought, and plus, my parents aren't going to let me drive all the way up there. It was like seven hours of driving, and I can't, I can't, I can't. But all day, it was such a strong impression. And it's not like God always speaks super loud, but that thought and just no peace. And you do it, you do it, you do it. And I thought, no. Well, on days like that, if you're feeling really convicted, you probably shouldn't open your Bible to have your worship, but I was new at it all, and so I did. Just kidding, you should always open your Bible. But I did. Dear God, please speak to me. This is your word today. And I don't know how I got to Exodus chapter 4, but if you've read Exodus chapter 4, that's God telling Moses, I will be with your mouth. I have set you apart to go and to speak. (laughs) Do not be afraid. I will put the words in your mouth. And over and over and over as I read that, I thought, oh no, oh no, God's telling me for sure. I thought, okay, but I know how this will happen. If I tell my parents that I want to go, they'll probably say it's too long of a drive. It's not safe for you to go by yourself. And then when I tell this lady, she'll be like, no, 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 we needed a speaker. We needed a, you know, pastor. So she called that night. Hey, did you find a speaker? In my mind, I'm like, please say yes, please say yes. No, I don't know what we're going to do. It's already this weekend. I, I, and I said, I think God wants me to come. Really? That'd be great. That would be awesome. How soon can you come? You can stay at my house. I remember going to my parents. Would it be okay if I drove to Grass Valley this weekend? My mom's like, I knew you were going to ask that. I was like, okay, God. So I get up there and I'm thinking, these people are my same age. What am I going to talk about? But do you know that God just gave me message after message after message? And it was nothing of me, but God would just put in my heart, we'll share about that. Share about when God convicted you to get rid of his music in particular. And so I shared that in one of my stories. A girl came to me afterwards with a stack of CDs. She said, God is convicting me. I've got to get rid of this stuff. It's holding me back. It's, it's confusing, you know, my mind and it's, it's preventing my time with God. Go with me to the trash can so we can break every single one of these CDs. And I remember thinking, God is so awesome. I remember walking to the trash with her and her just breaking those CDs. And it was such a powerful experience for her. And you know, as I look back over the last 10 years, that happened like around 2004, 2005, my whole testimony. I am so grateful for a God that's patient with us because I haven't always done the right thing and I have always been very hesitant, especially that's probably a whole nother sermon. But God has really have to get, God has really been working on getting me over fear because God is often impressing me to do something or reach out to someone and I'm so scared And if I had more time, I could share amazing, amazing ways of how God has pushed me. And when I finally do it, kicking and screaming, he works out amazing miracles. But I'm so grateful because God has shown me that you can have a real experience with him. That every day, whatever you're going through in your life, you can open up the Bible and God will speak just what you need. That God isn't far out there, but the stuff that's going on in my life, I can bring it to him in prayer. I can join together with other people, and power can be unleashed. Everything wasn't perfect. Everything didn't go right, but God had given me enough of a taste that I never wanted to go back. I didn't want to go back to just going to church and being involved and being a good kid, but I wanted more of God. And you know, I don't know if you're like me. Maybe you have those kind of like wake-up experiences, but A month later, five years later, you kind of just find yourself dozing off. And then something happens or God brings someone into your life that kind of re-sparks it. I remember being at Andrews and one day I was just reading and 
I don't know how I was feeling, maybe a little discouraged, whatever. And the thought just came, you haven't been praying for the Holy Spirit anymore. You used to pray every morning, dear God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thought, you're right. And then it kind of scared me because I thought, I did that for so many years. I prayed every day, God, fill me with your Spirit. And I haven't been doing that. Oh, no. And it kind of woke me up to do it again. And even since Zach's just been preaching this series on the Holy Spirit, it's reminded me once again, you need to plead more for the Holy Spirit in your life. Look at what God can do. God can wake you up. And that's why I chose the scripture reading from Ezekiel 37 today. It's that awesome, awesome vision of all these dry bones. And even as they begin to come together and the muscles attach and it makes these skeletons, until the spirit, until the breath fills them, they're still lifeless. And I think, unfortunately, so many people, including myself, we're okay with just being lifeless. We're okay with going through the routine. We're okay with sleepwalking. We're okay with just going to church week after week. But God wants to put life. Ezekiel 37, 14 has become one of my favorite verses. It says, I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life. Do you want more of his spirit this morning? I want it so much more. Maybe you've been kind of dozing off like I have lately and God's using this as a wake-up call to say, plead more for the Holy Spirit. God's longing to wake us up. Zach loves to celebrate how many days we've been married. And um, ever ever since we got married, the day after, he said, you know what? I thought of something. I'm gonna start reading in the book of Psalms one chapter every day. And every time I finish the book of Psalms, I'm gonna know we've been married another 150 days. And so he did that every single morning. He still does it. And when he got an iPhone, he downloaded an app where you can put in a date. And then anytime you click that app, it'll tell you how many days it's been since the date you entered. And one of my grandmas, she used to just think it was so fascinating. Every time we'd see him, Zach, how many days have you been married? And he'd tell her, you know, 436 or 837 or whatever. And he's so funny because he'll leave me these notes every once in a while. I brought some of them today. I told him I was going to share this and he was a little embarrassed, but he said it was okay. So sometimes I'll wake up and I'll find a note that looks like this, you know, 2,000 days, and I'll open it up, and he'll have written me some little note. Another day I woke up, and this one said, 2,600 plus three, and I thought, what is that? And then he said, days of being yours. And then this one was one from earlier on, happy month anniversary, and he had stuck it under. And you know how it is when you're dating or when you're just married. You celebrate every week. And then you start celebrating every month anniversary, and then, of course, your anniversary. This one was one of my favorites. I woke up one morning, and this was near the bed, and it said 209-260-800. And I thought, what is that? And I opened it up, and it said, no, that is not a phone number. That's how many seconds we will have been married today. <laughs> So he'll write me these cards, but in it, it, on top of that, he likes to wake up and he likes to go down and fix breakfast, whatever he thinks that, you know, we should celebrate. And it doesn't have to be an even number or a certain year, just whatever he thinks. You know, I remember when it was 2,500, he was so excited and we woke up and he fixed me breakfast and everything. Well, this has happened time after time after time. And the problem usually always is that he has breakfast totally fixed. He has my note written and laying under the door, laying by my bed or wherever, but I'm still sleeping. And he said sometimes he's just starving. You know, he looks up these recipes for vegan, no sugar, waffles and all this stuff, and he makes his breakfast and he's just waiting, and I'm still sleeping. 
And then he's waiting, should I wake her up? Should I wake her up? I want to wake her up because he's just ready to eat. He's ready to enjoy. And I keep sleeping. And he said, there's been so many mornings where I have to just hold myself back because I want to just come. He said, and then sometimes I do just come and I just wake you up. And I thought, you know what? That's the exact picture of God. God wants to do so much in our life. God's been orchestrating things for us and he's just waiting for us to come to life. He's waiting for us to wake up and maybe he's waiting and waiting and waiting and sometimes he says, I can't wait any longer. And so he comes and he works in our life. He brings people into our life. He allows circumstances to happen, sometimes even bad ones, to wake us up. But all for the purpose of knowing him more. Those times we've had together around the breakfast table and he always uses the heart plates and have been such sweet times. And I begin to realize that that's exactly what God wants for each of us. I will put my spirit within you, and you will come to life. Your experience with God will be so much more rich, so much more deep, so much more personal than ever before. Do you want that this morning? If that's your desire, I just want to pray together, and maybe I'll even leave a time just shortly of silence, and you can just pray that prayer. Dear God, maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time, please baptize me afresh this morning with your spirit. Dear Father, you are so good, and you have been so good to each of us, working us through different things in our life, bringing us past the things that hold us back, and just working in amazing ways. And even as I share this morning, the desire of my heart just cries out even louder, God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit this morning. And I just want to leave just a few seconds, God, for each of us to lift up that prayer. Whoever might want to lift it up this morning, just asking you to please baptize us afresh, fill us anew with your spirit. God, we long for it personally. We long for it corporately. And so we just cry out together, please fill us with your spirit. Do the work you're wanting to do in our life. Do the work you're longing to do here in our church. And we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen.